1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Come on, let's work. Come on, let's work. Come on, let's work. Come on, work. Come on. You
0: can wish for it, or you can work for it.
1: You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Come on, let's work
0: Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Coryell and you are truly in for a treat because we are talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, and that is shmoney. Now, our conversation is brought to you by Work. Pray Slay Weekend, which returns to ATL November 2nd through 4th. For details on how you can attend the biggest and best women's weekend of the year, log on to WorkPraySlay.com. All right, so let's get into it. Today, we are talking to Tanya Rapley. She's a nationally recognized millennial money expert and creator of the award-winning site MyFabFinance. I am super excited to share her with you because she is on a mission to help millennials break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so that they can become financially free and do more of what they love. And you know that that is what we are all about here on Confessions. So Tanya, are you ready to confess? I'm ready to confess. Okay, so I always like to start the conversation by asking what your professional background is because I always find it so interesting how our passions can sometimes lead us away from our profession. So what did you start your career
2: doing? Oh, okay. So I started my professional career as a, I guess you could say as a student research assistant. When I was in college, I went to college in Miami, Florida. And so I was working on city plans and creating the master plans for um, the different cities throughout Miami, but also holding community events for the community members to make sure that their voices were heard. So like, I've always been big on ensuring that the voices of the disenfranchised communities are being heard and taken into consideration. Um, And like, I guess I kind of was a hybrid between a community organizer, slash event planner, slash educator uh, up until I created MyFabFinance. Finance, like, it looked different at each level of my career. And I went from Miami to doing programming for the entire borough of Brooklyn to doing programming for the entire city of New York um, to now MyFabFinance Finance, where I do programming for the world. So.
0: I love it. And, you know, I always talk about how none of your skills, none of your experience is wasted, you know, it, it can look different, you know, than what it was when you started out. But if you work smarter and not harder, you can leverage that those skills, you can leverage that experience, you can use those same skills that you had at that corporate job in your own business. And so it sounds like that's exactly what you have been able to do. Um, How did you discover your passion for finance and money?
2: You know, that's an interesting question because I can't say that I'm passionate about finance and money. I'm passionate about living and it takes money to live if we're going to be honest. And so I am passionate about living the life that I was created to live and helping others do the same. And a lot of people aren't doing that because they don't have the financial security or the financial resources to do so. So like, I look at money as a tool for people to live the lives that they want. So I'm not necessarily passionate. Like, I enjoy talking about money. I'm good at talking about money and breaking down these complex financial topics and goals into bite-sized steps. But at the core of it, I'm more passionate with helping people experience the lives they were created to experience.
0: I love it. So what are some mistakes, though, that you think like um, that millennial women in particular are making when it comes to saving or investing their money. Because I definitely think like we are doing things totally different than how our parents were, but we haven't necessarily figured it out yet because we're, you know, trying to figure it out on our own because our parents did do things so differently. So what do you think are some things that we Are maybe not necessarily mistakes we're making,
2: but maybe we just don't know that we could be doing better. Yeah, you know, when it comes to investing in particular, like, I see people who want all the answers before they get started. And it's like, well, you know, I need to know this, I need to know that. And it's like, you know what, everybody was a novice and everybody was a beginner at one point. If you don't start, you don't learn. Like there's I believe in working with a financial advisor, and I definitely, when I started my investment portfolio, I brought on a financial advisor. But I saw that James was doing stuff that I could do, and especially in 2018, like with Stash, I use Stash and Robinhood now to like buy my own, uh, buy into my own funds or buy my own stocks and so forth. Like just not getting started and thinking that you need to have all the answers before you start. I'm not saying start with your life savings and like put five thousand dollars aside, but if you have an additional. 50 To a hundred dollars, you can start and just start to see how your money can work for you on the market and do better than it would in your savings account. So, I would definitely say that like thinking we have to know everything before we start investing, you don't have to know everything, you're gonna make mistakes, but those mistakes most likely aren't going to be so damaging that you don't bounce back from them. Um, So, I would say that, and when it comes to savings, I would say like one of the biggest. Um, Things I see people do is not creating barriers around their savings account. And I know a lot of us financial educators talk about it, but I'm still surprised when I'm in a room and people are like, yeah, I bank with Chase, my savings account is with Chase. It's like, no separate that money, put that money into like completely different bank accounts because you're going to be tempted to transfer that money for something that's a non-emergency or something that you probably weren't savings for if you don't have the discipline not to touch it. And that's why a lot of people don't have savings because of discipline. So um, really making sure that you have an inconvenient savings account. Some of my favorites are Capital One 360, Ally simple all of those are free online um, bank accounts that can double as a savings account that you can set up for free and start putting money in so that you can separate your savings so that you're not as tempted to use it for things that aren't really important to you
0: so based on your experience and the experience of your clients. What would you say is more important? Focusing on building your credit, cleaning up your credit, increasing your credit score, or stacking your coins so that you have a huge savings savings account. Like which do you think is more valuable in 2018?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So when I started my Fab Finance, I was all about credit because honestly, I think that like as black people, we're told that credit is everything. Um, It's like like credit, like if you have credit, you can do anything, da, 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 da. We're, We're told that, but what we don't realize is like that psyche is the same psyche that create that gets us into habitual debting because in order to create credit, you need debt. Like debt, credit is not based on your savings account. It's not based on necessarily your spending habits or how responsible you are with your money. It relates to how you manage debt. And so- I'm just there. I wouldn't say that credit isn't important, but I would say that there are other things in your financial picture that are as important, such as stacking your money, because when you have money, say there are certain things that you probably can't. I won't say you can't because I don't want to get into a limited mindset, but there are certain things that's like, OK, if you're going to purchase a home chances are you might not have like here in LA where I live homes are like $750,000. We're about to buy a building. And I'm like, yo, I don't got that. So we're going to have to um, depend on our credit history so that we can get a mortgage for that amount. But there are going to be certain purchases with like, we're just, it's like stack your money and buy that. Like a MacBook. Like I see a lot of people financing MacBooks and sometimes you are backed into a current corner where you need to finance a MacBook. But technically, like, I think that only large finance, only large purchases should be financed, such as houses and vehicles and other things like that. And if you can stack your money so you can pay for things cash, so you don't owe any interest, or the, so that it is rightfully yours out the gate, then I think that that is most important. Because I watch *Handmaidens Tale*. I don't know if you watch that too. But it's like, if we live a life based on credit and we live a life based on our wealth is in our ability to borrow, what happens if those financial institutions are cut off and we don't have access to savings? Like, what happens if 45 wakes up and says, you know what? I don't want black people to have credit cards. And then, like, then we have to rely on our savings. And hopefully, I don't think that'll ever happen. But, like, I kind of just exist in that moment. Like, what if it did, though? What would you do if it did happen like that? What happens if you decide you got to leave the country ASAP? Do you have the cash you need or would you be relying on credit cards? So I just believe that we should focus on stacking our money, but know what your financial goals are. And if they are to purchase um, a property or like these other larger assets and you need credit for it, then you also do need to focus on building your credit as well. So that's same- a along with
0: Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's that's I feel you. It's like I am the same way. You know, I got my little shoebox, my little safe because <laughs> at any given moment you don't know what's going to happen. The world is so I mean it's crazy. Every single day something crazier happens than what happened yesterday and my livelihood cannot be in anybody else's hands. Right. Um, I mean it already is to a certain extent to the point where we can't control it. But the things that we can control, I definitely am all about having your own sense of security. Don't depend on, on anybody else to watch your stuff, keep you safe, you know, any of that stuff. Um, and then I, I think financing is the new hustle. Like it is. <laughs> we are out here financing and I'm not, you know, no shade cause I am paying $20 a month for my iPhone too. But when <laughs> did it become the new thing?
2: I hate that. I mean, I'm like, I honestly am so upset because first of all, phones are just crazy expensive. And like, in my heart, I just don't feel right paying like 700, $800 for a phone, period. But then it is, yeah, there's just always like, we're going to make it easier for you with finance. I mean, I'm not like I transparency. Like I'm not saying I haven't financed things other than houses and cars like there's been coaches i want to work with i'm like oh girl mm, we're gonna have to put a payment plan together for that like you know what i'm saying like there are things that i like you know i'm gonna have to make payments or i have to finance it or whatever it may be but i think that what happens and a lot of people get in trouble is they start to bridge their actual life with their ideal life um, and start to use credit cards to bridge that difference and that's where we get in trouble. It's just like living above our means because of this false sense of security that credit and debt or creating debt gives us instead of looking at our reality.
0: Yo, if I see one more like retail worker that has financed a $3,000 living room set or bedroom oh. set on Judge Judy, which is my guilty obsession of watching people score Judge Judy. But oh. these people are financing like, Thousand dollar TVs, you know, like crazy, ridiculous stuff. And it's just like, we have, but we don't, I don't even want to say we don't know any better because at this point we have the resources, like we have the access, we can figure it out, but we are just so like we are building from literally beneath ground. Like we have so far that we have to come as a people to understand how money works, to understand how credit works, to understand how financing works. Like we are so far behind, but people like you, you know, who have literally built their, um, these brands and dedicated their lives to educating one another. I think that that is the key. You know, the more you learn, the more you have to teach. And that is what this podcast is all about sharing the things that you have learned so that you can save somebody else some time um, or save somebody else some money. And I know that you are constantly creating content and resources um, to do just that. And you are working on a new book. Yeah. So so tell me about the new book, the title, who it's for, what the goal is, what do you want women um, or men to walk away knowing once they've read this
3: book?
2: Man, so this book has been five years in the making. Like when I started my fat finance, people were kind of like, "You need to write a book. You need to write a book." And I was like, "Nah, I don't, it's not time for me to write a book yet." But five years later, it was time for me to write a book. So um, that book is called "The Money Manual: A Realistic Money Guide to Help You Succeed on Your Financial Journey." And I'm really big on the realistic portion of it because um, when I started my fat finance, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was working at a nonprofit organization, living in New York City. I, I did not have um like some people who you know come into finance they came from like six figure jobs not me and i had to be realistic about what i was able to do with my money um but also realistic about who i was and what that meant to um what i meant to like my to my past and what it meant to where i was going and what i needed to change as a result of that so it's it's a choose your own adventure style finance book is written relatable like it i always say like there are people in finance who are like Aunties and moms, and so forth. Like, I have friends, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's, she's like the mom. Like, I have like my friend Marcia the finance bar. I call her, she's like my fairy god, my fairy money mother. Um, but then there's like the um, the aunties who's like, they steal your auntie. I feel like I'm your cousin who just got her stuff together, and I write that book from that vein. It's very relatable. It's very much like, look, if you can't do it, then we're going to create like, here are your options. And here are different things for you to think about. I understand if you can't do that right now. And while it'd be great, if you could, here are other options. Um, Because I'm realistic about people's financial situations, but I'm also very compassionate. Yet tough at the same time, because I don't buy into socially acceptable excuses about why you can't do certain things Like we're going to find a solution because if there's a problem. There's a solution. Um, So that book is written in that spirit. And we cover everything from money mindset, like setting goals that are authentic to you and really digging into what are your authentic goals, not the goals that your parents have had for you since before you were born, Uh, as well as we cover credit, debt, student loans, what to do, like if you're having issues with your student loans. And then in the last part, we cover generational wealth, because I don't think enough books talk about that. Um, I know I'm a black woman. I'm very proud to be a black woman. And I understand that in our community, we have historically had issues with passing along generational wealth. So I dedicated a chapter to like, this is what you need to be thinking about. And these are things that you can do so that you can begin to leave a legacy so that you can set the next generation up for people who you care about for financial success so that they don't inherit debt. Or so that they're just giving a little more cushion to make mistakes and figure things out because they have more financial security than their peers or than you had. So that's that's the book uh, and it'll be available on myfabfinance.com.
0: I love that you talk about creating your own goals and even knowing like what your own definition of success is because so often and i think this is a woman thing um more so than a man thing but so often we are living these lives um kind of blindly just kind of going with the flow based on what other people want for us based on what our parents said was the safe route or what we're good at or what they think you know is right um and we look up and we wonder why we are you know feeling stressed out or why we're feeling unfulfilled because we've just been going with the flow and another thing um that you mentioned you know we haven't really talked about generational wealth. Our parents didn't teach us about it. You know, we're now learning about it and figuring out how we can help one another. But one of the other things that I think um, in our community, aside from just finances, the other thing we don't really talk about is relationships.
2: Mm. We don't
0: even talk about, especially when it comes to black women, like we are literally born and bred to be strong, to be, you know, independent, to be bossy, to be anything other than a soft, gentle, loving wife. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we grow up and we hit 25 or 30 and we're like, okay, wait a minute, I'm headstrong. I'm, I'm a boss. You know, I got my career going or I got my business going, but I have not figured out this other half of me. Um, sometimes we can, again, be in a deficit and we're having to work twice as hard to work through those issues, right? And so yeah. while I was preparing for our interview, I did my usual Instagram stalking that I like to do. But, <laughs> but one thing I absolutely love um, is the relationship that you have with your husband, right? And I know it's just the gram. I know everything looks good on a gram, but you two genuinely seem like you at least like each other. You know? <laughs> so, so what do you say to women who maybe? don't give a lot of thought or put a lot of effort or energy into creating, you know, that relationship or the women who think they can't have it all and might find themselves trying to choose between, you know, their business and their bae.
2: Yeah, that's my dude. Um, <laughs> um, that My husband is actually my second husband. Uh, I was married when... Um, Are we
0: gonna talk about that. That was my next yeah. question, but go ahead. Yeah.
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely. He He's like the real thing. The first one was a trial run. So he... Um, it's weird because like I, I've always prayed for God to give me what I need. Like growing up I have a I, and I have a very interesting relationship with like with God like my path like I grew up Christian, studied Buddhism, converted to Islam and it was like none of this works for me. My I let me get back to who like my relationship with God and let me talk to God. Um, and so I like. after that time, like I, met, I was just praying, like, God, just give me who I need. Like, give me what I need. And when I met my husband, it was kind of like, Ugh, he cool. Like, we can hang out for a little bit, but I don't really know if this is a forever situation. And, like, in his heart, he was just – he's such a good dude. And there is a lot of love between us. There's a lot of respect between us. And as someone who's been in, like – I was in a – my, my ex-husband listening to this stuff, so I'm not going to go too into detail, but, like, we had different beliefs, like, different religious beliefs, um, and then, like, before that, I was in an abusive relationship, so at this point, I was just like, I just want a good, person someone who is good to their core like I just want that and um, that's what Kamari my husband is and our relationship is our relationship Um, both of us work for ourselves he's a freelance videographer and editor and um, it's a lot of communication like marriage is hard work we are happy but we have our moments too like we just had a moment yesterday where he was like you were being petty It's like you had to learn that lesson so like we We, like, definitely have our moments, but at the heart of it is love, and at the heart of it is understanding and respect for each other and, like, the commitment to communicate through our differences. Very early on, he had a problem where if we got into an argument, he would walk out. It's like, you don't walk out on arguments with me, babe. Like, we don't. That's not what we do, because that makes, I feel like that makes it even more upset that you didn't stay around to resolve it and you just, like, went around the corner to your cousin's house and so we uh we committed to kind of working through our differences and coming back to a place of love because nothing there are a few things that are like our major but for the most part none of these small arguments that we have are big enough to cause like rifts in our relationship to the point where we are too distant from love and so for people who like wonder if they can have it all i would say like you i honestly and this is what i tell my friends like It is asking God, asking the universe, whatever you believe in, asking that power for, the person that you need. Not necessarily the person that you believe you want, but the person that you need, because I feel like when you get the person you need, they begin to evolve with you. Sometimes we get the person that we want, and they don't evolve with us. Like, we could start out being a teacher, and we decide we want to start our own business. They're like, no, I met you as a teacher. They can't evolve with you because they weren't the person that you needed. So I would say always ask for the person that you needed, but then also... um, continuously asking God, like, okay, how, like, ask, asking for guidance in your situations, like asking for like, okay, we're experiencing this. Like, how could I do this differently? Because I think a lot of times we begin to make it about ourselves and about our ego. Um, just like I was being petty yesterday and that was about my ego, but is it, it relationships take work? Like anybody you see that's happening, Michelle, I'm pretty sure Michelle and the rock disagree on things. Like, any relationship you see, it just, it takes work and don't buy into social media's perceptions about what your relationship should look like. Because a lot of these joints is on rocky sand. And so just really um, make it about yourselves and like set your own goals and be your own version of goals. Like just, it's just about, it's, it's about y'all and it's okay to be selfish and be about yourselves um, when you're in a relationship because there are so many different elements of people that will try to say things about what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And it's like, you know, what y'all should be doing is making sure each other is happy. And that's that's the core of it.
0: Period. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that you was previously married because I was about to mention it. But what I really, really admire, um, one thing that I admire about women who have been previously married is your courage. Like, you really have to be vulnerable yeah. to end a relationship and still allow love in your life. Like, I got dumped in college and that hurt my mother so i can't imagine like getting divorced and you know like i just can't imagine it and i admire that strength so do you have any advice for women who have been so hurt before you know and just don't know how to let their guard down for long enough to let love in how can they do it
2: man Kyle, yeah i mean um yeah, my la- <laughs> I mean, I guess in my marriage, my husband essentially was like, uh, you not enough. You know what I mean? And um, that was heartbreaking to me. We had only been married for like a year. And um, I remember calling my best friend crying. I was like, yo, I feel like a failure. Like, I've only been married a year. What is this? Like, fuck love. I am good. And she was like, you can't be like that. She was like, you know, God is love and God is in you and God wants you to have love. You just need to remember that. Like God wants you to experience like his love and what love feels like. And I just carried that with me. I just started, I even when I met him, I can't lie and say that my I didn't have barriers up. Um, and I can't lie, I would be lying if I said that it didn't take a while for him to break down some of those innermost barriers. But like each way, each step of the way that he proved himself worthy, of me um giving more of myself to that relationship, I did. It wasn't like here are my cards on the table, let's go. Like, no, it was like steps. It was like, okay, show yourself to me in this way. And then I reveal a little bit more of myself and let down some of my barriers. And like he had to earn me knocking down those barriers. Um, So I I don't want to act like I just got it came into the relationship all like open eyed and starry eyed and everything. It definitely was a process and he definitely had to show me he was worthy of me. Um, being completely vulnerable and loving fully again. Like it took me a while to be uh, give myself permission to love him fully because of how hurt I had been in the past. But I also wasn't going to be a negative Nancy or nasty or defensive as a result of what I experienced because he ain't do that. That wasn't his fault. Like those weren't, he wasn't them. So it's important to remember that like the next person is not them. People deserve a chance until they show you they don't deserve a chance.
0: So very true, and I think it's it also um, comes down to you focusing that energy, like in the meantime, what are you doing in the meantime? Because you can be single for five years and not have grown, not have evolved, not have learned your lesson, not have done anything. And then you end up in the same place five years later versus you spending the time falling in love with yourself, spending the time going to therapy, if that's what you need, spending your time, you know, really becoming the woman that God created you to be so that, you know, when you look up whenever that time is, um, you'll even be prepared to give him the chance even though he might you know show up looking like sounding like what you you know maybe not what you wanted he could be what you needed but even that it comes from evolving you know even that comes from evolving so okay the last thing that i gotta ask you about um is this new uh i don't know if it's a career Project, project business but I want to talk about it so please tell me about the new project that you got going on um just because I'm being nosy and we need
2: to know it's all good it's all good so um um I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this uh I would say that uh, I never considered myself to be a traditional financial educator like I've always like look I got an afro I got nine tattoos like I just know how to talk about money um and I know how to manage my money and there are things that um, I'm interested in. There are things that I do and partake in. There are things and, and cultures um, and other career paths that are attracted to me. And one of those career paths is the cannabis industry because I relocated to Los Angeles from New York City and um, it's been a year now. And one of the things that I saw was like people are making money in the cannabis space. And me growing up, like I always had like family and homeboys who were dope boys. And they're some of the most brilliant businessmen that I know, but because their work is considered illicit or illegal, um, they're living lives in the shadows. And then I'm out here and we have like these white boys who are millionaires off the same thing. And so I just decided, I was like, you know what? my whole goal is to help people create lives that they love. And that doesn't stop at money. That also helps them figure out, like, how do they turn this skill set of something that was considered illegal and is now becoming legal, how do they turn that skill set into um, an empire for themselves. And so I started learning what I can about the cannabis industry. I started an entity called Can Inclusive where we're highlighting diversity in the cannabis space and consulting with companies and so forth and just ensuring that the minority voice is not dismissed in this green rush because they're trying to do it. They want us to think that like cannabis and what well, cannabis or weed, marijuana, whatever people may call it is this hippy dippy thing for like soccer soccer moms and like trend setting businessmen or white businessmen. It's like, nah, this has been part of our career for a long time. And then when they show us, it's like, you have to be a rapper or like, you know, it's like corrupt and Snoop and Wiz Khalifa. And it's like, no, there are successful black people who smoke weed too. And they want to start businesses in this. And so I'm still firming out what it looks like. I thought I would have made a leap into it sooner, um, but things just picked up aggressively with MyFat Finance. And let me be honest, like Finance still pays my bills. And I had a few partners who came along. They're like, uh, can you quiet that down right now? And it was a valuable enough proposition. I was like, okay, I'm gonna work on this on the back end and tighten it up as far as the cannabis businesses. and then once I finish these obligations with these clients. Um, I pursue it a little more aggressively um, towards the end of the year, especially once the book is done. So that was also the thought of creating the book. It's kind of like that's like not my deuces, but that's like the one thing I said I wanted to do when I started my fat finance. And it frees me up to pursue this other interest. But I want to support black and brown people as they enter the cannabis space. Uh, My background is in urban policy and affairs and community organizing so I know how to break down these complex laws and help people figure out how to navigate them and what applies to them and what doesn't and I want to use that skill set to create entrepreneurs of color in this growing cannabis industry because I look at it as the next tech boom. A lot of us miss the tech boom and I don't want us to miss the green rush because at this rate we are missing it and I don't want that to be our reality.
0: Listen, we better not miss it because it is so many, I mean, countless number of black men Ugh. who are incarcerated at this very, like, mm-hmm. and this is a whole nother episode, but I don't understand how we could be legalizing marijuana like we are and we're not letting people out of, out of jail. Like, I don't understand where the disconnect is, where the logic is, how somebody with some authority is not, you know, asking these questions, but how could i mean i don't know again that's another conversation for another day but i'm here for it um just because we need like you said we need representation especially for something that has been such a major part in tearing up our community it's like you are not gonna let us profit off of something that you've literally imprisoned half of our population over
2: yeah a lot of these new policies have restorative justice elements to them so it means that like um Say there's someone who was criminally convicted for a marijuana related uh, misdemeanor or felony, depending on the level of it, um, the level it was like they um, would be they would get priority in licensing and so forth. So some of them do have a restorative justice component. And there are a lot of um, expungement clinics happening. I know here on the East, on the West Coast, they're doing expungement clinics now to help people get those blemishes off their record. But that doesn't give you your life back. Like that does not negate the fact that you spent five years in jail for something that somebody's a millionaire for now. It doesn't negate that. Um, and I, we didn't get reparations before. I don't expect for us to get reparations with this, but it is really, it is about us just like, making sure that our voices are heard showing up to these community meetings because georgia i know georgia recently like they're it's, it's coming to georgia and I, there's places like that where there are large amounts of people of color and we just need to make sure our voices are heard that they don't ignore us as they begin to set these policies for
0: totally crazy totally crazy but again you know if you knew better you could do better so it's all about having the information and i am excited um that you are creating the platform um to represent us so thank Thank you for that Uh, and i know that my listeners are definitely gonna want to stay connected with you on the finance side as well as Staying updated with what you have going on, on the can Did I say right? Yeah, Can-Oclusive. There is, it is. Okay, so please let them know um, where they can find you online and then how they can connect with you on social media.
2: Absolutely. So, if you're interested in uh, my finance endeavors, that is myfabfinance.com. Social media, I'm uniformly branded as my Fab finance on all social media platforms. If you're interested in um, my endeavors in the cannabis space and other um, business ideas, or just like other just just me, because I consider that that to be part of me. The cannabis work that I do, as well as um, just living. My life as a female entrepreneur who is married and we're planning to start a family soon, and so forth. Then you can follow me as Tanya Dot Rapley, um, Tanya with the O, T O N Y A Dot Rapley on um, Instagram and Twitter as well. I'm trying to do a better job of separating my personal Twitter from my business Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm available. And I have my website, TanyaRapley.com. If you want to learn more about my background and so forth, that's available too. I'm very transparent. You're probably going to find, like, I am i just try not to be a closed book because I think that um, a lot of people, like, they need to see yourself in them in order to be inspired to move to the next level or, or have the courage. So I'm very transparent about my stories, things I go through, and things I've been through.
0: And that helps us all grow. Um, as I say, you know, the more you... The more you learn, the more you have to teach, and you are definitely a living example of that. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you are willing to do what it takes. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week.